Here's some sound counsel from our pastor and teacher, Ed Taylor. It's just best not to judge another man's servant. He stands or falls before the Lord. And what you see right now, or what you hear right now, or some third-party situation you're involved in, most likely you don't have all the facts. So you just reserve judgment and pray until all the facts come out. That way, when the facts come out, you don't look dumb or bad for choosing wrong. Just wait it out and keep your eyes on the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Boy, that's your reverse Americans really need to take to heart, isn't it? And as we'll learn today on Abounding Grace, greed will destroy you. Case in point is the servant Gehazi. He went after Naaman to get some money, lied, and suffered the consequences. We certainly don't want the same to be said of us. So let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Kings 5, where we'll begin at verse 20. Now, you have Elisha doing wonderful, great things, and his servant is right next to him. He just watched this guy get healed of leprosy by dipping seven times in the Jordan River. And instead of rejoicing, and instead of encouragement, and instead of, man, I can't believe the faithfulness of God, pick up with me now in verse, chapter 5, in verse 20. I mean, all of these great things are taking place. A glorious miracle of healing. It's wonderful. It's awesome. In verse 20, but Gehazi. You know something not good's coming. Good, 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 but Gehazi. The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman, the Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Oh, you do that, Gehazi. So he pursued Naaman, and Naaman saw him running after him, and he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me in the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now, I have a little note in my Bible that says that's about $400,000 he's asking for in modern, you know, maybe in the 80s when this was translated. Verse 23. So Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged him, bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments, handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. Verse 24. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. And then he let the men go and they departed. What a contrast we see in the life of Gehazi. Great progress in Elisha, great resistance in Gehazi. And the enemy was fast at work to tempt this brother in the whole situation, taking advantage of the weakness of his flesh. Gehazi decides to take advantage of the situation and runs after Naaman for what? 
money. He went after the money. He said, he pursued, if you look at the verbs, he said, he pursued, he lied. And not only did he lie, did you notice he used the Lord's name to support his lie? The decision wasn't impulsive. It seems impulsive as we read it. All this stuff is happening, but Gehazi, it wasn't impulsive. It was planned. It was calculated. It was deliberate. He asked for much, and Naaman gives him two talents and two changes of garments, and there's such deep-seated sinfulness. Verse 25, And I went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where'd you go, Gehazi? That's his, that's his chance. That's his chance. You know how many chances you've been given to come clean? What'd you do today? Where have you been? Where's your thought life? Who do you believe in today? What's in your pocket? Or in something much funnier and simpler, you know, your kid's in the kitchen, getting into the cookies, starts eating all the Oreos. You know they're in there. You hear it. You come in. You go, hey, what's going on? And he looks up with all the Oreos all over his face. What have you been doing in here? Nothing. <laughs> looks like you've been in the cookies. Uh-uh. And before you know it, caught red-handed. That's Gehazi right here. Don't think for a moment that you and I will not be caught red-handed because God who knows all and sees all, you're already caught. It's only a matter of time before it gets revealed to humans. But for, before God, this kind, of, this kind of deception, this kind of lying, this kind of sin in our lives is before the eyes of God. We're already caught. Just like that little boy was already caught when you heard the cookie jar lid go off. Already caught. Busted. Where have you been? Where have you been? Notice. And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. And he said to him, didn't my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. When he responds, he, when he's confronted, he responds with lie after lie. I can't tell you how often this happens. How often we speak to someone who is obviously caught the situation's been exposed. And they look you in the eye and they respond with another lie. And another lie. And another lie. It's just the fleshly response and reaction that we need to forsake in our lives and to walk in the Spirit. I don't, I don't know really what it is. It's almost like people actually believe they're going to get away with it. I think Ahazai believes that his master, like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even know his master. The kind of spiritual perception God gave Elisha. He doesn't even, he's, he's, he's not even in, in this place of loyalty among the person that God gave him to serve alongside, to see the miraculous, to be enjoying all that God's doing. He doesn't understand him. He misunderstands him. It's the same thing that happened when Jesus was teaching us when the unfaithful servant has to answer his master. Remember, he says, I know you're a hard man. He was wrong. 
he wasn't as hard as he thought. Because if he would have just invested the money in the bank, it would have, been a, it would have pleased his master than going to hide it. As Jesus teaches us on faithfulness, he wasn't teaching you how to be a good investor in stock and multiply. He was just teaching us to be faithful. If you are dishonest, you are unfaithful. You're unfaithful to God. You're unfaithful to those that trust you. You're unfaithful to those that love you. Dishonesty, it breaks the bonds of relationship. The very fabric of relationship is trust. And dishonesty in all its forms erodes trust in relationships. And we see the depth of dishonesty in this man and it really makes you question what kind of relationship he really had with Elisha. And I just don't understand why people choose to dwell in lies more than just coming into the truth and walking in the light. The Bible says if we walk in the light, and this is in 1 John, we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship. That's where true fellowship exists. When you're honest and I'm honest and our life is in the light, that's where relationships are built and grow. They're not built in the shadows of deception. They're not built in the shadows of lies, of manipulations. While people might be manipulated, God is never manipulated. We can never twist God's arm or pull anything over on him. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. That's why we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Just to come clean. It's in the light. Once it's in the light, it can't be hidden anymore. And you know, isn't it a burden to hide things anyway? Isn't it just a burden to carry where you're just afraid of... You know, what lie did I tell and what did I say and what if I'm found out and what if they saw this and what if... It's such a burden. It's not just the opposite of the rest that God promises us as we walk in the light and we abide in him. Elisha, he senses, he knows, he he knows. He was given spiritual discernment and he's confronting the sin. God's revealed this to him. God's given him the insights. Remember Elisha was the guy that was surprised that when God didn't reveal something to him. <laughs> it's just a ministry. He's got this insight to people and situations. Today we see this operating. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see this operating in our lives in the manifestation of the Spirit known as discerning of spirits. Or often it's referred to as discernment. Some people call it the gift of discernment. Just God's ability to give you insight. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the manifestations of the Spirit is described. Pick up with me verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. 
and another different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But notice verse 11, but it's one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This manifestation of the discerning of spirits is the supernatural insight behind a spirit, a person, or an event. So what you see Elisha doing right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as he gives you the manifestation of discerning, you can do the same thing. If it's God's will for you to know insight in someone, he'll give it to you. It's a fascinating manifestation to experience. It's more than intuition. And it's more than figuring things out. I mean, it's what Elisha says. He says, didn't my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is this time to receive money? I mean, boom, boom, boom. He's busted. God revealed it to him. And God is still revealing the hearts of men and women to this day. Those of you in spiritual leadership, pray for this manifestation to be active in your life. Pray for the ability to see supernaturally behind the situation. It's God's given ability to distinguish truth from error based upon the word of God and the clear witness of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural understanding given to, the, given to get to the heart of someone's motivation or the motivation behind a person or an event. With this manifestation, the Holy Spirit helps us instantly cut through all the confusion and concerns to the heart of the matter. Many times it starts like this. You have an uneasy feeling about a something or someone. You have an uneasy feeling or an impression about a person or a situation, but you don't know exactly what's going on. I often refer to it. I know one of the ways that God uses my mind to um, bring that about, God uses that in my life, is I can't put my finger on it. Something isn't what it appears, but I just can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's going on. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I can't put my finger on it. And that's the manifestation of, of often the beginning of the manifestation of discernment. Or, or another phrase I like to use is that Holy Spirit alarm is going off. Not everything is as what it seems. Certainly you've experienced that. Amen? Anybody experienced that? Like, it is not what it seems. We're not sure what it is yet. Not jumping in any conclusions. But it just doesn't appear as it doesn't seem to be what it appears. I can't put my finger on it. You're picking up on something that nobody else sees. As you're walking in the Spirit, in tune with Him, you sense that the power of darkness strongly and clearly... And with this manifestation, you'll be able to see and think beyond what is material. And God gives you what he sees and thinks about the matter. It's very powerful. One of the difficulties with this manifestation of the Spirit is that you so clearly see the fraud in someone's life, but not everyone sees the same thing. So people are against you. They don't believe you. And, and people that are in the wrong because they don't play by any of the rules, because they're already in sin. They lie, they manipulate, they gain people on their side, and there you are just feeling all alone. <laughs> like something's not right here. But then all, you know, family turns on you, friends abandon you, people that you were close to are disloyal, they take off, and before you know it, you're like, whoa, I don't, I don't like this. I didn't ask to see these things. I'm not the one in sin, and yet God gave you the insight. You see, Matt, this discernment protects the body from false teachers, from false teachings, and people that want to take advantage of the congregation. It protects us from lies and deceit and the shadows. 
Elisha gets this insight, even in the Old Covenant, and on Gehazi and calls him on it. Can you imagine what this must have looked like on a, for an onlooker? If you were watching this situation and you didn't know Gehazi and you didn't know Elisha that well, you possibly would be a little concerned because you would probably interpret Gehazi as being harsh on this guy. I mean, hey man, he said he didn't take anything. I mean, he doesn't have anything on him. He doesn't have anything on him. Why? Because his servants has it. He doesn't have it. Check my pockets, you know. Check my pockets. Yeah, there's nothing in your pockets, bro, because your servants have them. But can you imagine just watching this? It would be easy. That's why, that's why, you know what? It's just best not to judge another man's servant. He stands or falls before the Lord. And what you see right now, or what you hear right now, or some third-party situation you're involved in, most likely you don't have all the facts. So you just reserve judgment and pray until all the facts come out. That way, when the facts come out, you don't look dumb or bad for choosing wrong. Just wait it out and keep your eyes on the Lord. Because if you're watching Elisha, wait a minute, don't be so hard on Gehazi, he's your servant. And Gehazi, you know, I can hear Elisha saying, no, he's a liar and a thief and a greedy man. How could he be so specific and so correct? Only God. And it's possible today for God to reveal things to you, to pray. So just pray and wait on his revelation. As Gehazi continues his lies, what happens? God had removed the leprosy from Naaman because Naaman responded in trust and obedience. And ironically, leprosy is now clinging to Gehazi because he didn't trust or obey God. And according to verse 27, his descendants would suffer as well. It reminds us of the very judgment of God upon Achan and his family. Remember in Joshua? It reminds us in the New Testament of the judgment of God upon Ananias and Sapphira. And why? Do you guys remember why God brought judgment on Ananias and Sapphira? Because they lied. Not just to Peter. They lied to the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. They lied to God. Because you know, first and foremost, all of our sin is against God. And then it's against one another. I know it gets played out in the realm of us most of the time, but our sin is to God first. I have sinned against you and you alone, David declares. And then we suffer the consequences of our own sin and the sin of others. We need to be careful walking in the Spirit. As one commentator put it, he says, and I quote, one man goes away healed because of his obedience, while the other man, indeed the one who should have known what matters most, walks away with leprosy. Yet another Israelite has made the tragic mistake of choosing a substitute for the Lord. What we call, what, what the commentator's name is house, what he calls a substitute for the Lord is commonly known as idolatry. He's chosen to worship an idol. And what was his idol? Money. I mean, wow. He misrepresented God, misrepresented his master, and for a few bucks, he's leprous the rest of his life. And what's interesting is I don't read anywhere where the stuff that he stole was taken away from him. So now he's a leper, and he gets to enjoy his stuff, not at all. Remember when we studied Naaman? We learned about Naaman. Here's a guy that had it all, but had leprosy. Because there's always, there's always those things. We all go through something. 
as far along as you might be and as good, thing, as good as life might be to you, there's always something that we endure in life. Always. All of us. I mean, maybe one day we'll just have, uh, we'll have different colored cards and just ask you without your name, just anonymously, to write the trial that you're currently in. And I, and I could stand up here for a half hour and read each and every trial. You would be shocked. Because we come into a church service, we're all smiling. We, we, hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, sister, how you doing? Yeah, it's been so, oh, hallelujah, yeah, my hands are lifted up. And at the same time, while you're worshiping God, you're enduring great tragedy and great sorrow and great grief and great pain. And man, we're all going through something. It's the great equalizer. All of us are on the same plane because God is using the things in our lives to what? Bring us to a place of brokenness so that we might cry out to him and not choose a few bucks, not choose to, to betray those that are close to us, not choose deception. And so he makes the tragic mistake of choosing a substitute for the Lord while a Gentile convert has discovered that what his servant girl said about the Lord's prophet is true. Irony. And one thing, again, as we study through the book of Kings that's being revealed to the nation through the life of Elisha is God's sovereignty over healing and his power over false gods. God is sovereign in his healing. And how sadly and ironically faith in Yahweh is stronger in some people outside of Israel than it was in the Israelites into whom it should have been the strongest. I have to say that's certainly can be our testimony when we waver in our faith and when we're just shaken. There are others that demonstrate this sense of resolve that have no connection to God, a strong sense of resolve, at least temporarily, while we that know God are weak in the knees. And the Lord's so good that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. And he says, you're going to get through this, son. Daughter, you're going to make it. I'm faithful. Just stay close to me. Don't mess around with deceit. That's a word of the Lord for some of you. You're here. This, wasn't, this message wasn't delivered a couple weeks ago. Instead, God had something different, and now it's delivered now, or however you've hit this podcast, or you download on the app, or however it's airing on the radio on whatever day it's going to air, that, that God is telling you, don't lie. That's your answer. You came to church one day, I've got to get an answer. What should I do? Here it is. Don't lie. There it is. Don't lie. You leave here with the resolve to be an honest man and an honest woman, and God will bless that because you don't want the effects and the consequences of deceit because it's very, very, very hard. Isn't it interesting? Someone once said, you spend a whole lifetime building a reputation and building you know, that connection with others, and you lose it in seconds. Let that not be our testimony. But even if it is, God's not done with you. As you rebuild, as you take those steps, yeah, it might be a little harder, it might be a little more difficult, you, it might have been easier had you not chose that route. But even through the trial, God is teaching you more of himself, revealing his faithfulness in your life. What a good reminder to choose the route of honesty and avoid greed. God will bless our lives as we do. 
Hey, thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a series that's based in 2 Kings. If you'd like to hear it again, go to calvaryaurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll notice both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the program in their life. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Married and How to Stay That Way by Steve Carr. It will give you practical ways to resolve conflicts and stop them from reoccurring and help you understand the first steps to build a solid foundation, as well as give you a plan for building the relationship you're seeking. Get a copy today by calling 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org on the web. That's 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 2 Kings next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 